to IdeaGen TV live from Miami. Here today with our good friend Donna Bunker from Indeed. Donna, welcome. Thank you, George. How are you? I am great, and it's great to be in Miami. Miami is absolutely booming on every level. Yes. And uh, today we have an incredible conversation. Tell our audience globally about what you're doing, who you are, what are you doing here? <laughs> Sounds good. Hi all, um, my name is Donna Bungard. I'm the Senior Accessibility Program Manager over at Indeed. Um, you might have heard us, uh, we help people get jobs. Um, and I am a 40-something woman with dark hair, dark glasses, and my pronouns are she, her. And what I'm doing is my role is to help make sure that our representation, our narrative, and our messaging is helping employers understand the value of being more inclusive to people with disabilities, to understand the vast diversity within disability and intersectionality, and all of those, you know, little things. No, all of those really important human-centric pieces to our workforce. And I get to work with just some incredible people moving mountains. Moving mountains. So on that note, um, moving mountains, we are experiencing, I've had a lot of conversations on this, and it's just, profound to think about AI. Yeah. AI is coming up in everything. everything. Let's face it. AI is everywhere and is everything. And what's interesting about it is it's evolving so quickly, perhaps faster than anyone could have ever even imagined, faster than the Industrial Revolution that took 100 years. I mean, we're, it's, it's, it's accelerating innovation. It's accelerating everything that you're doing, and indeed, I know. And yet, we still have some work to do. And so one of the areas that you're focused on is helping to connect the dots with folks with disabilities to get jobs and to be employed in those companies that you represent. And they're looking for this critical talent. How are you doing that? Well, that's a really great question. Um, essentially, there's a lot going into understanding AI because as much as it's growing exponentially, there's still some quirks. There's a lot of bias. Um, people program AI, people build algorithms, people do the machine learning, and people have unconscious bias, which means that if you go to most AI image generators and say, show me a picture of an autistic person, nine times out of 10, they will show you a 20-something white male not smiling. I've got to tell you there a lot more diversity within the autistic community and with the disability community in general. So what we need to do is balance all of those amazing tools, all of the innovation, all of that movement forward with some human being driving the car still, sort of speak. We need to have a person checking it to have those checks and balances built in. And that's one of the things we're doing. We're really working on the ethical piece of the AI to make sure we're creating equitable opportunities for anybody's identity. That's right. And so you're breaking down these barriers, especially in the recruitment practices. And so how are you doing that to enhance the talent pool and also the workforce as a whole? Well, Accenture recently came out with a report that said that companies that are more disability inclusive are going to have access, I mean, just the US alone, more than 10.7 million people. That the talent pool's already there. Right. 
So really what it comes down to is having people have a clearer path to success, which means that helping employers be more accessible, be more inclusive. And what we're, well, I should want to say we, what Donna is finding a lot as I'm talking to more and more companies is they want this talent. They want the diversity of thought. There's an inherent problem solving talent that comes from having to work in a world of barriers. They want all of this innovation, all of these talents, but they're not really sure how. They're using job descriptions that they have as a template, not realizing that every one of them says lifting 15 to 20 or 30 pounds or more. When I don't know about most people here, but all I have to lift at work is occasionally my laptop and a very large cup of coffee. That does not equal 15 pounds for me to do my role. That's right. So a lot of these things, and we're also understanding the benefits of skills-first hiring. Um, there's a huge educational gap for people with disabilities, as there are for other underrepresented groups. And that education gap means that uh, a few years back, the National Disability Institute said something like only 13% of the people that queried with disabilities had a bachelor degree or more. But these individuals are still building skills and having these life experiences that are bringing incredible value. So we're talking about to really look at, do you have the education requirement? Is it necessary? Do you have the lifting of the materials? Is that necessary? When we talk about AI, people are always looking for a strong communicator. But does that mean they need to talk like this? Or can we use a text-to-voice technology? Can the individual have an experience where it's, you know, cameras off if it's a remote work? And that can help a whole number of people, whether it be somebody who is maybe, um, I always do this because I have a fidget ring when I'm not on camera. Um, and, you know, if they're, it's called stimming. Um, it's, a, it's a way of just helping yourself focus through a repetitive task, um, whether they be stimming, whether they be using a feeding tube, or frankly, if they're a new parent with a child or even a high maintenance puppy will do the trick where you have to shut off the camera for a while to be able to still have that meaningful, interactive, deep communication of thought while maybe not making that eye contact. So it helps a variety of situations um, regardless. And there's a huge, huge opportunity to harness AI, harness all of these things while looking at those job descriptions and deciding what do I need from somebody for this role? So incredibly inspiring to hear, you know, how you're looking at this holistically. And, and in terms of the marketing materials, you know, you're trying to get the point across that, you know, it's an inclusive workforce, this company, whatever company it is that's on your platform is recruiting for, but it sounds to me like there needs to be a little bit more attention on that side, um, on how you're presenting the role. Like you said, you got to be a great, you should be a great communicator. Okay. You're a great communicator, but maybe you're communicating in a different way. Exactly. And I think it's just in its, in its, so we work closely with Hollywood and folks in Hollywood, Keely Cat Wells, who you know, and um, Keely Cat Wells is helping to bring diversity and disability into the fore in Hollywood. Yes. And so do you think just an off, just a sort of a follow up question here. Do you think that the, the, the way that 
folks that are disabled in any way are portrayed in in what we see every day has a role in in the challenges that we're facing. Absolutely. Um, here in the U.S., there used to be beautification laws, meaning if your relative wasn't sightly, you would keep them hidden. And that has kind of shown up in a lot of our advertising. It's changing, though. Um, but a lot of companies, like, if you look on our websites, you're going to see people with disabilities showing up for what they actually do. We have this beautiful piece recently put out about a phlebotomist named Lexi. It, the story is not about her disability. It's about her journey as somebody in healthcare. Mm -hmm. um, we need to see more people showing up just doing what they do. People with disabilities should not just be experts on disability. Um, I always joke that we'll know we've done well when a quarter of the pictures we see of people buying socks or other really boring things, you know, buying socks, buying car insurance, include them. And not only when you're talking about retirement funds or whatever, because we do have an aging workforce. We do have an incredible talent pool there. And according to the statistics, most of us, as we age, will acquire some disability if you don't already have one. So you have a mountain of data. <laughs> I read a lot. And data is gold, as they say. Data today is a, is a, is a commodity, and it's yeah. becoming more so each and every day with chat GPT and all the areas yes. that uh, data is being utilized, including, um, I, I, I'm blanking on the term, but the localized, yes. the localized AI platform. Where you bring in specific data, health right, right, yeah, right, right. So, what is what are what are the industries? We talked about Hollywood. We know there could be more there that makes it more inclusive and makes you know paints the picture of the inclusion that that should be. Yes. Um, what are other industries that are ripe for change to include? Is there is it just every industry? It really also kind of depends. Again, we're we're talking about disability as a big group, mm -hmm. but there is a great deal of diversity and intersectionality going on there. So I would argue that some industries are probably further along for some types of disabilities than others. Right. Um, for example, you know, in the US, there's a lot of barriers for people with intellectual disabilities to get more senior roles. Um, and I'm just saying that generally there is data out there. I'm not gonna but here we are seeing in Spain where they just elected their first pal parliamentarian, is that the word? Um, sure. Thank you. <laughs> um, with Down syndrome. And she's remarkable. And not because she's, she's not remarkable because of her disability. She's a remarkable woman. But it's remarkable that society has allowed her to elevate yeah. that piece. That's right. Um, it's not about a person. A disability is a character trait just as any other character trait is. So the fact that the barriers were broken down for her to be able to raise to that level is what makes that story incredible, not necessarily about her overcoming. People don't overcome things. This is part of who we are. I don't overcome being a woman in tech. I didn't overcome anything. I don't overcome being mysteriously neurodivergent. I don't overcome anything, but people can have barriers broken down in those pathways. So I'd argue that some industries are going to be much more inclusive of certain kinds of disabilities than others. And what we need to do is just 
kind of level that playing field mm -hmm. a bit. Well, and again, I think it sounds to me like what you're describing is the employers need to, when they're designing the roles, portray and um, describe the specifics to be inclusive. Yeah, if we go skills first, skills we, first. Yeah, if you go skills first, we break down a lot of the barriers that are up there for many underrepresented groups. Now let me follow up on it. So, so when you say skills first, are you saying that it's not intentional, obviously, but there's you mentioned early in this interview that it's some employers use boilerplate language. Yeah. Is that really what it may not be? They're not intentional enough about it's, it. It's it's problem with systemic bias. It's in the systems. It's embedded in what we've done because of the way it's always been done. And it's not it's not that anyone's being bad or anyone's trying to ignore mm -hmm. this. It's that, well, this is what we have and it's fine. And honestly, when you have a lot of people who have similar experiences, they don't necessarily see the bias. Um, that they're they're putting out there and again it's unconscious it's in our society there are things that we all feel is normal that maybe maybe it's not really normal it's just what we were taught so we're seeing that um, and when we focus about the skills what we're doing is we're there's always going to be some roles that we need the college degree um, you know we don't necessarily want a surgeon being skills first maybe we do but I'm just off the top of my head, that's not one that comes to mind. But what we're looking at is that so many rules that don't necessarily need it. I I know one of my children's friends is one of an incredible coder. He builds his own servers, he's designed this, he's designed that. He's 17. He certainly doesn't have a college degree. But if a tech company said, hey, we think you're awesome, come work for us he could continue and have an incredible path and an incredible career and bring so much value and innovation and just creativity. But if somebody has a boilerplate of need a bachelor's degree or greater, they're, they're pushing him into an educational system that frankly isn't keeping up with his skill set. You know, it's so amazing that you say that because, um, again, I've had so many conversations on this lately and it just becomes profound to think about where we're going. Again, in the acceleration of innovation, if you just think about the applicability and the utilization of ChatGPT with OpenAI, if you just think about that for a moment and where that's going and how fast it's accelerating, you know, that young man who's 17 who is coding or whatever he's doing has options. We can't even imagine the options, I believe, moving forward and the jobs that will be, you know, transformed in the future. But it, it does start with specifically for your role, looking at um, what does that role entail and then describing and visualizing, presenting who can do that role? If you say, well, I can communicate and it doesn't have to be in person or it can be, you know, through a computer or whatever, whatever methodology it is and you describe it, they then know that they have an opportunity for that role. Absolutely. I mean, think about, 
I, it was on social media and for me, I forget the individual, the woman's name or what school it was, but somebody was giving at a, one of the prestigious universities, a valedictorian speech at their graduation and her computer, she wrote it out and the computer spoke it. She um, identified, I believe as a nonverbal autistic and they, they just, they wrote it and she explained how the, the computer was giving her a voice. If you look at any of the recent Apple ads, particularly there's one out there um, about their natural voice where you're able to record enough of your voice that it will synthesize your natural voice. And it's for individuals um, who have chronic, uh, chronic illnesses that will eventually lose their speech. For example, ALS. And you can record your own voice. So when you are using this technology, the combination of AI and this and that are all coming together. So it would sound like Donna is speaking. Mm -hmm. So there's a million opportunities and somebody may not wish to do that. It's always somebody's personal choice. What is the assistive technology they're comfortable with? Sure. But at the same time, we have all of this ability to grow and to be more inclusive and understand more effectively of, you know, just because someone's nonverbal doesn't mean they don't have a lot to say. Right. Um, right. And a lot to contribute. So it's, it really is broadening our sphere. Sure. And our opportunity here is to harness all of that talent. Um, and as I said, the only danger is that if we allow it to go too far, I mean, AI is a lot, learning a lot from our history. Yeah. So we have to be careful of what it spits out. Right. Right. And so we've talked a lot about, you know, the practical you know, elements of what you're doing. And first of all, I want to say that I applaud you and Indeed for all that you're doing to help address this issue. You specifically, Donna, and your leadership in this area. And then Indeed for empowering you to do that yes. because the company is obviously excited that you're doing this. How are you measuring progress in this area? That's an incredible question because when you're talking about disability and tracking numbers and all of these things, you know, even the United Nations is putting out stuff saying that there's there's challenges there. So as much as there's going to be some self-identification pieces, there's going to be some people answering polls or surveys or whatnot, and aggregate content is there. Um, disclaimer, talk to your legal team. They'll let you know what you're allowed to get. There's some severe um restrictions here which are to protect people and that's a good thing um and just to give you an idea of how often people don't disclose in general um in the u.s 27 percent of the population identifies with a disability and the average for company disclosure is usually four percent maybe seven if you're really inclusive so there's a lot of non-disclosure going on so why is it they don't want to face the bias. They don't want someone to assume you can't do it. When someone discloses, they're not, it wouldn't be Donna disclosing to George. What it would be is, you know, me disclosing to somebody and then remembering somebody they knew when they were 14 who maybe couldn't function in a certain way because of that disability, or maybe they have an aunt or an uncle and they associate that on some level of, you know, this person's not gonna have a harder time, I should probably go with this other candidate. And again, it's not a conscious choice. Mm -hmm. We all have bias, it's kind of a trait, it's, you know, 
having bias itself is not bad. It's when we become aware of it, what steps we do to break down the barriers and do that and that whole responsibility to educate ourselves and all that good stuff. So what we're looking at is that there's low disclosure rates, there's low information. So you can get some information out there. Again, disclaimer, don't do a legal thing. But also this is where intersectionality is really, really, really a powerful tool. Because if we know that that one um, report I mentioned said 13% of people with disabilities get bachelor's or greater. If you're looking at people without college degrees, you know that you're addressing some of these issues. If you are looking at um, if things like uh, there's, I think it was um, Department of Justice had a report of 38% of people in our prison systems identify with uh, some sort of disability. So if you're looking at people who are justice impacted and being more inclusive in that area, chances are you're being inclusive there. So there's a, there's a story to tell there and how that's going to build out into anybody's individual company and your measurement plans is really going to be very based on your culture. It's going to be based on what you are able to do in your field. Um, as the previous panel was talking about, some, some, some focuses are more restrictive than others. Sure. So it's gonna have to take its own shape but there's a larger story when we start connecting those dots and seeing those whole humans and not just one barrier versus another barrier versus another barrier versus another. Uh, and just profound. This is, you know, it's always great to, to visit with you to talk about the work that you're doing because it is, it's just awe inspiring, plain and simple. And I want to just end this incredible interview. Sadly, we've run out of time, but. I would like to ask you, how can our global audience, the millions of people that will watch this interview, find out more about what you're doing? Well, um, you're finding out what I'm doing, you always can connect with me on LinkedIn or follow me there. Um, but in terms of what we're doing, check out our DEIB Plus reports. Uh, we, we put a lot of energy into putting those out there and showing where we are on our goals and what process we're doing there. Um, and then look at your hiring practices. What are you asking for people? Um, is that required? And in your in, you know, interview policies, are you bringing, making sure your interview panel is diverse? Are you making sure that you have you know, multiple underrepresented groups in that final panel of interviewee, interviewees for a given role? You know, what are you doing to in your hiring process and what kind of employee resource groups or other materials or organization internally that you can do to support your people? Because honestly, if 27% of the United States identifies with some sort of disability, there's already people with disabilities working with you. It's just a matter of creating that place where they can come together, have their voice and tell you, hey, I don't blame you for not having this perspective but we need to change this. And you know what? People are really receptive to it when you're respectful and kind and just create that open communication. Donna Bungard, indeed. Thank you. Thank you for all you're doing to change the world. Thank you, George. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you, Idea Channel.